It's nice to see all the arrows gear back, though, now that they won that. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Rouge Rugby Podcast. Happy Easter, gentlemen, and happy Easter and happy Passover to everyone who are celebrating those holidays uh, this this past uh, long weekend. Um, I am joined by the fantastic duo of Derek Brissett and Stu Hardy. Gentlemen, I hope you had a great long weekend. There is a ton of rugby going around. We had a sevens tournament getting wrapped up. We had European club uh, championship rugby going on. We had women's six nations. We had MLR. And of course, Team Canada was uh, competing in the bubble at the men's world curling championship. So lots of sports going on this weekend. I hope you guys were able to sit down, relax, and enjoy some of the, the action. Yeah, I guess the uh, the arrows must have won on the weekend since I'm seeing a, a little bit of an increase in arrows gear upon uh, upon my co-host's uh, heads here. Well, you see, I'm not fully ready to like jump back on the wagon, so I got like the stealthy shirt on. Stealth shirt. It's oh, like, oh, is he you wearing arrows? Because you're, you're a, you're a I don't know. Fan? Because you don't want people to know that you're an no. Arrow they have to. They have to you're win my love back. They caused me trauma the first two weeks. They got to win me back. And that win definitely started bringing me back. I don't know about you. Hey, at least you didn't, at least you didn't bet against them. (laughs) I don't know, Derek. I mean, isn't that the same top that you were wearing last week? Is that your only arrows stash? Oh God. That's right. He's probably a little stinky over there. Yeah, Yeah, man. Yeah. That's why we're all on zoom. Cause we don't want (laughs) to smell Derek. Has nothing to do that. I got got a couple arrows. I got a couple arrows hats or whatever. I got, I got something. From the rugby shop on the way too. Oh, oh, how convenient! Ooh. It's not here yet. Yeah, hey, if you guys want to buy me more arrows gear, feel free to do it. Uh, you gotta earn it. You gotta earn it. The only way you earn it is by playing on the team. Win uh, competitions to get caps. That's what I do. Yeah, I still, have a, I still have my uh, my founders club hat somewhere in Toronto. I don't know where they're storing them right now, but uh, Dan, oh, Dan, sorry. They're, they're down in Atlanta. Stuff. That's the problem. Ah, down shoot. All right. Well, someone booked me a flight to go in my hat. Uh, possibly are, Nola. That's where the first home home game is. Anyways. Yeah, that's, I saw that like, well, at first I saw someone say it'd be to be determined. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? And then I saw another place that it was going to be in Nola. So that's, yeah. That's interesting. We'll we'll get into the arrows uh, match uh, pretty soon, but guys, we had a lot of news. Um, Canadian rugby rugby league uh, mm-hmm. sevens, lots lots of news. So we're gonna get right into that. And the first little bit of news we're gonna talk about is that uh, Kingsley Jones was on the halftime show with the Toronto Arrows uh, game, being interviewed um, by the MLR uh, media team there. Uh, Brittany Ch- Brittany Co. It, Kim, it, uh, yeah, Brianna Kim. Brianna Kim. Uh, and she was kind of asking him some questions about the relationship between MLR and Rugby Canada and, and how it's kind of been a boon. People kind of took Kingsley as that he was insulting uh, MLR uh, by saying that he, he never thought that it would get to this point, which, I mean, I don't blame him for saying that. I mean, if you're a, a Welsh rug, former Welsh rugby player coach of a you know pro 12 or pro 14 team to see mlr kind of blossom as it is i would not be surprised either i don't know if you guys feel the same way but uh the big news coming out of this um this interview is that uh kingsley jones announced that canada rugby canada is planning and again nothing's been official yet uh to play england in july and that there are two other test matches 
uh, that they are trying to shore up for this July as well. Mm-hmm. So my question to you guys, I got, I got two questions. With the U.S. Eagles also scheduled to play England, how big of an impact will this have on the final rounds of MLR? Because this, depending on when he tries to pull his players, and same thing with Gary Gold with the U.S., like he's going to want to have a training camp of some kind before they play England. So who knows what kind of timeline that he's looking at to, to take players away. So how is this going to affect MLR, especially going into the playoffs? It's definitely going to have an impact on it. I think, you know, I think I've seen the idea tossed around that maybe you come up with some sort of compromise and you only take like, you know, X amount of players from like each team. If you're the Eagles, I mean, if you're Canada, you probably got to lean a little bit hard on the arrows anyways. But I think, I don't think Rugby Canada or the Eagles should be doing that. Like, I think you need to, you know, if you're pre- if you're going to prepare to play the World Cup qualifiers in August, and you're pre- going to prepare for that by playing England, you want to put your best foot forward to play England, right? So you probably, which in my opinion is going to mean that, yeah, like the M- MLR rosters will be rated for players if these test matches happen, because that's the player pool for Canada and the United States, right? And there's going to be certain teams that are going to be hit a lot harder um than others and there's going to be teams that maybe aren't hit as badly as others and it could be it could have a huge impact on like the way the playoff races shape out depending on where teams are and you kind of also kind of got to wonder how a team like LA who has famously you know acquired multiple extra foreign player slots right it's like and built their team around what seems to be a lot of foreign players um that they might not be hurt as badly as any of the other teams right which is a weird in a weird way right um so i think that'll that'll be interesting it'll be interesting to see like if if these test matches do happen when as you said dan when guys are pulled for like a camp or whatever and but yeah like it'll it'll be interesting because it's like obviously the mlr season is typically is supposed to be designed to end before the test window as it was what the schedule was going to look like in 2020. But because of COVID, they delayed the start of the season by a month and pushed it back to March 20th. And, you know, now it kind of, we kind of see the impact of that where it's like, it is leading into the test window and kind of unlike the ARC in 2019, it's, you know, where teams were kind of down a lot of their big name players at the beginning of the season teams if the eagles in canada are going to play test matches in july teams are going to be down their big name players at the most important time of the year and um and i think like there's, there's positives and negatives of it i think for the eagles and canada it's you probably really want to play a test match or two before the the rugby world cup qualifiers just because i mean as we've seen with the with the first couple of weeks of mlr they kind of have a little preseason vibe to it um, where, you know, it's taken a couple weeks for guys to like, you know, f- find all their gears and like actually start teams offenses and stuff to start clicking. So I don't think either the USA or Canada wants their first test match since the world cup to be a rugby world cup qualifier. I think both teams would be looking for that. And, you know, whether it's England, whether it's England, somebody else, um, you probably want to play someone before that, or even at the very least, you probably want 
to play each other before that in a game that doesn't count towards the qualifiers. Although maybe you don't want to do that because that could give you like yeah. a that could give like a mental edge to the team that wins or something. So maybe you don't actually want to do that, but you'd probably want to play a game. And you know, unfortunately, that's going to mean that a lot of MLR guys um, are going to be away on international duty at the most important time of the season, which. I mean, it, it, you know, it could mean, hey, maybe you miss out on something like for sure last year, like a Toronto, a Toronto picture, like a Toronto San Diego final without Lucas Rumball and Sam Wuching in the seven jerseys. Right. Like it would be. Yeah. It'd be St- interesting. Stu, how do you feel about this kind of this bomb that that Kings has kind of dropped? We kind of knew about this. Like like we yeah. talked about, about it's this. It's not too surprising. It's not too surprising, but but the commitment and excitement of the head coach makes it a little bit more real. How do you feel about this, Stu? Yeah, so I've just quickly had a look for the um, dates that were in place for when, because I believe the original plan was England was going to come to uh, the United States and Canada at the current moment. And because it's now three months, three or four months now from that test window, it now is a time where you have to be saying, okay, this is what we're going to do. The situation in Canada makes it seem like the mandatory two-week quarantine is going to be in place for a while so i have the feeling that the backup option of the us and canada going to england is the likely um outcome of that game um so the pre-existing dates for those matches would be the united states would face england on the 17th of july and canada would face on the 24th so one week after the other um and I haven't had the time to check which games are going on in MLR on those Saturdays, but obviously 24th of July is the first, uh, that's the playoffs, the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. So that'll be the conference finals. And the week before would be the uh, final week of the MLR season. You know, the United States is going to have another test around the same day as um, Canada, England. So you can imagine with the training camps that uh, the U.S. has already said that they want to have in place prior to having these games. um, You can imagine that these players would be uh, absent through all of July. So that would be the final three rounds of uh, Major League Rugby, then the conference finals, and then hoping they would be back for their teams for the uh, grand final it yeah that it sounds like a perfect way to water down the final few rounds would you even come back for the final though because it's like you probably just go right into your like world well it's tricky right like but also like maybe those dates change too i mean they said in july so they're probably not going to change too much i guess yeah my my question is is like do they want to keep it as like when is that the lions tour the lions tour is the on those same day so okay so then i think it's like that point yeah um the point the point i'm making is that what i think from like a rugby america's north perspective is that they would they want to do this tour. Now, this tour was originally meant to be coming to North America as a means of like money revenue. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if that goes to England, it may be a case of they have to just stick with like a match fee that they get instead. 
uh, but that is yet to be seen. But for these like World Cup qualifiers of um, to determine which one will be uh, North America one and North America two, from the union's position, say if any of their like star players get injured in these games against England or any of the other test sides, they'll want to have a buffer window to ensure that everyone's ready to go. And I think there was talk of these games would be taking place in August or September for to qualify for the Rugby World Cup. So it wouldn't be like instantaneous of going from these games straight into uh, the test, the um, hopefully home and away like test bubble to determine who's going to be North America one. So there, question, there would be a bit of a buffer there. Yeah, my, my question is, and, and it's a good point Derek made, is would Rugby Canada even then release, say 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 that the, the England test matches happen closer to the top of July. Mm-hmm. You then have all this time with the rest of the MLR season. Does Rugby Canada in the U.S. Um, even release the, their their players saying, "I don't want you guys getting hurt for when we have that window"? It's there's a, we, we're not we're not going to be able to answer that tonight. That's just something for uh, fans to think about. It's it going to be very speculation. I think though. Yeah, for sure. I think ultimately though, like, there's no way this like if they're going to play test matches, there's no way it doesn't impact the MLR season. For sure. And the it's MLR season has already been like wildly unpredictable. Um, that'll make it even more wildly unpredictable. But at the same time, we all saw how close 2019 was. Like that final day of 2019, the 2019 season when you had like four teams fighting for the final like two yeah. playoff spots or three playoff spots Listen. or whatever it was. It'll it'll be nuts. Yeah, well, we won't know. Now, quickly, guys. Um, one of the other questions I had, and I want we gotta go through it quickly. But who are two test sides? that you would want to see Canada play in July. I, I don't want a big explanation because we don't have a lot of time, but I'm curious to see who you guys would have. Um, I think it was the last week or a couple weeks ago, I said that I would love Canada to play teams like Romania and Spain. Like if they're in Europe already, do another, do a mini, you know, Europe tour, play those two teams that are kind of um, closer to Canada's uh, you know weight level. Um mm-hmm weight class but what would you guys like to see canada play okay i am gonna half agree with you dan i am going to say spain and then purely for money germany see interesting because i was thinking germany just because i'm like go go pump somebody before you before you play the united states um and all on it, like, yeah, Spain would be cool. Like, Romania would be cool. I guess it depends on, like, COVID restrictions in other countries and stuff and who you would actually be allowed to play. You probably aren't going to be too picky about it. Um, I know it's not Europe, but I feel like the one test match that I still really want to see oh. is Namibia. Yeah, hey, that, that's not too far. Like, like, like I, yeah, like, I mean, if, if no, it's right. just South Africa. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's, it's the equivalent of South Africa. Yeah, continent. Um, it, but like, I I still think like, there's that small part of me that's just like from the 2019 World Cup. Oh, I'm like, I want to see it. Yeah, like what? Because sure. you have, I think you have that. Like, it's got that intriguing one where it's like, maybe Namibia hasn't necessarily been like a powerhouse, but it's like they are technically ranked higher than Canada. 
And, you know, they looked good at certain stages of that World Cup. I mean, their first half against the All Blacks or the first 30 minutes or whatever against the All Blacks was pretty solid. Um, and, I mean, you see kind of like some of the Namibian guys coming into MLR now, like Stevens and Boyson and, like, there's, you know what I mean? Like, there's, there's a lot that I think, like, I wonder what that team, what that game would actually look like. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I think out of any team that Canada can play right now, it's like, I don't, I'm not saying that this is like possible, but to me, that's the most intriguing test match that Canada can play right now. I love it. All right, guys. Well, um, there was some uh, sevens going on this weekend as well, as we mentioned previously. Uh, the Emirates individual uh, invitational sevens happened um, in Dubai. Uh, Canada's women's uh, went first overall, beating the Americans. Um, it, w- it was actually a, quite a fun game to watch. I watched it with my daughter, so it was a lot of fun showing her uh, Canadian women playing high level rugby. And she was just super excited to see girls playing uh, rugby. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, the Canadian men didn't fare as well, finishing fifth. Um, listener of the show, Mark Button, uh, asked us how we felt about the kits. Um, I'm, I, I, if you don't mind, gentlemen, I'll go quickly first. Um, I did not like those black ones. Um, they looked like a practice jersey. I thought they looked like Batman. Had a they looked like Batman, yeah. Which and isn't then, a bat, which I don't think is a bad thing, but they looked like Batman. Well, yeah, fine. Okay, all right, fine. Um, and then the 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 I only saw them on the women. Um, they're they were collared uh, red and white jerseys. Again, big fans of the collar. I got the arrows one behind me right there. Uh, looks great on YouTube, uh, but. They were uh, odd sizing, like they, they seemed kind of big on, on, on some of the players. Um, and you know, other than the color, they're a little bland. And it was weird, some of the girls, and um, you could see it in the photo of them winning, like some of them either had the color tucked in or didn't have color at all. So it, it was weird, I, it seemed very mixed matched. And you could definitely tell with the US team, they were wearing like training shirts, like they weren't. You know, I they think haven't any had anything special. So, so Derek, Derek, you know, he'll kind of tell you about what he thinks, but I kind of agree with them that these might not be the, the final kits that they're going to use. Yeah. I'm not sure. Especially like, obviously the Olympics um, with that being the next big sevens tournament, you got to expect that they're going to have a special Olympic kit. Um, mainly because like the Olympics won't let you wear sponsors and, they won't let you wear a federation logo either, right? So you got to have a different crest on the kit too. Um, if you remember, like the Pan Am Games had like a leaf with the Olympic rings, I think, when they played the Pan Am Games. Um, I think they'd use the same thing in Rio too. I, yeah, like I was just kind of like, I like the general look of the the red kit for sure. It kind of like just solid red, white collar. Kind of reminds me of the 91 World Cup kit. Um, which is kind of a classic design, but yeah, kind of seeing what some of the other teams were wearing, and even even this kit for for Canada too, like because sevens sevens usually has last names on the backs of the kits and stuff, and those were absent from it, um, and and then like accompanied by like like Dan said, like what Team USA was wearing, and they were just I don't even think they had an eagle logo on their kit. I think it was just like a, like a dark blue practice kit really um so i'm not i'm not completely convinced that those are like the final ones um because a lot of teams seem to be kind of like 
we're going to, you know, we're just, we need something to wear to this invitational tournament. And I think, I think Macron and Rugby Canada would probably want to like do some sort of like hyped up, like release thing with it. Um, so like that, so for that reason, I don't really think they're the final ones. Um, I like, I enjoyed watching the women's team kick some butt though. That was nice to have them come back. Um, lots of play, like the game against the United States. I think like Williams had two tries flying down the wing. Um, doing somersaults and stuff. Doing some, yeah, that was cool. I, you got to put the little flair on it. It's always fun. Um, I thought apps played really well too. I know uh, Farella had a really nice turnover at one point during the game. Um, ben is always good. It's just, it's nice to see like, the team still clicking um you know i guess the opposition in the tournament it's like you know the the all blacks the like you know the all blacks or the I guess, australia excuse me not the all blacks the black ferns black fern sevens um and yeah australia like they weren't there so it'd be interesting to see how they kind of stack up against them but it's nice to see them get back on the pitch and have some success i also liked that they got everybody in like the full roster played at some point during the tournament to get everybody some game. Time. Yeah. I think that's good too. And it was, it was interesting because it was, it was, it definitely looked like a smaller pitch. Yeah. Compared yeah. to like, and again, like all that's the kind of the, the luxury of the seven circuit is they're playing on huge stadiums. So like, they're always going to have these large pitches when they play. And it just seemed like everything was a lot more compact and, I think it's just a little bit of camera positioning though, because I don't maybe think that was a maybe. Um, but yeah, no, it, it was it was fun to watch the women's and men. It just looked like a lot of execution things, you know. Hey, definitely didn't warm, you know. First, definitely first time back on the pitch in a exactly. And, and you know, we're gonna say that it's, say that a lot about a lot of things. But I think that's that's what you need though, going up, building up to the Olympics though, right? Because mm-hmm. I mean, like we were just talking about, and like the MLR as an example had a, has a little bit of a preseason vibe going on for the first couple of weeks of the season for sure because, you know teams haven't played in over a year a lot of guys on the team like you know you have some of the uh, the canadian and american players haven't played a full rugby game since like the world or i guess not the world cup since you know the last week of uh the 2020 mlr season week five so you know it's been a, over almost a year without it so oh yeah not yeah i'm, I'm not trying to pot shot the men they they, they definitely had some one. Really, that's really... all that matters and they beat the united states that's all that matters yeah as long as you beat the usa i'm happy it's fine <laughs> all right guys well let's move on um hopefully sue will, will rejoin us soon um this is stew's punishment for picking against the arrows <laughs> As it's not a internet a, connection. Yeah, it's, it's not actually a bad internet connection. I'm just opting to mute him and constantly keep him <laughs> out of the, the podcast because he was an unloyal arrow supporter and chose against Old Glory DC, which as we all know and we'll discuss later, was a horrendous decision. Uh you know, I'm not even gonna comment on I'm not even gonna touch that. But you know what? We've got some uh, more exciting news about uh rugby in North America. Um, a new league is starting up, um, a new rugby league league. The uh, North American Rugby League will start in 2021. And you know what? I think we're in that. My, my Wolfpack kit last year or last week was a premonition, Derek, because the Wolfpack are back. They will be joining the, the NARL. That's going to be a, the NARL. 
that are joining Gnarl in 2021. And so are the Ottawa Aces. Uh, the Ottawa Aces were going to follow the Wolfpack's uh, path by uh, joining um, uh, the the rugby league uh, league system in the UK. But with this domestic league opening up, Ottawa has decided to keep it local. Um, now it's tricky this year. Um, the Wolfpack and the Aces will be playing each other in the Canada Cup. So it sounds like it'll be a little mini series that the teams will be playing against each other. Um, and then next year they will be joining the rest of the American teams, which consist of the Atlanta Rhinos, the Boston 13s, the Brooklyn Kings, the uh, Cleveland Rugby League, the New York Rugby League, the Washington Cavalry, the West Coast Conference will then be made up of the Austin Armadillos, which I think is a great name, the Las Vegas Blackjacks, the Phoenix Venom, the Portland Loggers, San Diego Swell, and the San Francisco Rush. Now, Derek, my question to you is, how do you feel that this new league will be for fit for the Wolfpack and the Aces? Um, in my opinion, you know, we're definitely not going to see the type of caliber of players that the Wolfpack had oh, in God, the previous no. season. God, no, not even close. Not even close. But... I think that this is a really cool opportunity for uh, North American rugby league players, especially Caribbean rugby league players as well. You know, teams like Jamaica have some strong teams down there. I think this is a great opportunity to, you know, grow rugby league. And, and if there's guys that are looking for a new experience, maybe want to have made thoughts about moving to North America and want to play a little bit of rugby league from, from other countries. I think this is, amazing what what do you think about this see i think the idea of having a professional rugby league co competition because i feel I like, like saying, saying rugby league league yeah i was gonna say i feel like saying league league is weird um that's what they should have they should have named the league they should have called it like they should have put the extra l on there it's like when people say atm machine it's like the machines in the m dc comics it's detective comics comics I'll throw that's just a nerd reference for no reason. Anyways, um, I to be honest, am like I think the idea of having a professional rugby league competition in North America is cool. Um, I am kind of skeptical on this, admittedly, though. Um, I think one of the things that the Wolfpack didn't really do as great of a job at while they were here, it's like I don't think they did enough to really grow like grassroots level rugby league mm -hmm. in Canada. And, you know, like if you're going to pull up like and even the same with like North America, like I don't know if they have like the grassroots level support system to like support a full blown. What is it? 12 teams, 12 team professional league. Um, like I just I just don't know how that infrastructure is there. Um, and I've seen like I've seen on a couple of like local like rugby league, like, you know, Four teams from teams. like. Yeah, groups from like around North America of like people saying like, you know, the, the local rugby league infrastructure that is in place there hasn't heard of some of these teams or hasn't heard of like the group joining it and stuff, which is a little bit of adds a little skepticism to me to um, what's happening between this and like that Canadian cooperative league or whatever it was called, like the four C's RL. Yeah. Um, like, how does that coexist? Like, what's the different well, I, I wonder i wonder if that's you know what i mean like obviously i think it one's one's like like the canadian club 
program that we have in Canada. Yeah, but we still like, don't have enough, like a whole lot of clubs. Like there's more Aussie rules clubs in Ontario than rugby league clubs. So this is what they're trying to, they're trying to build up the sport. We can't, is that, we can't is that complain, you- but we, we want one. We don't know what the relationship between the Wolfpack is and the, the yeah. CCCRL, right? Like we yeah. don't know if Poorly. that relationship is already there yet. And, and I think it's hard to, you're right. Previously, the Wolfpack did not do enough with the grassroots, but I think it's hard to bash the Wolfpack when what they're trying to do now is, and from what the NARL, what NARL has kind of put out is that they want to give North American players an opportunity. And I, and I, I look oh. at sports like lacrosse that has, you know, multiple, uh, you know, variations of pro leagues. Like, you know, you've got the box and then field lacrosse and those are, Similar sports, but they have two separate professional leagues now. Like, oh, I don't know. I'm not saying you can't have it, but like box lacrosse and field lacrosse are like that's our national sport, too, right? Like, there's a lot of well, it, but down in the states, like that, yeah, those there's still a lot of people that play lacrosse in the United States. I know, but right? I, I'm just saying that I think that I don't think that there there's a problem with having the CCRL and also. No, no, I don't. I don't think it'll necessarily be a conflict. I just want to know how it does coexist, or like what the difference, I guess, is. Yeah, and we're we're um, in what week one of of the gnarls existence. Yeah, exactly. So hopefully, um, I don't, and we'll see like because I and... see like Eric Perez is still talking about having the aces in League One and playing in this, which I'm just like, no, like that doesn't don't do that. Like, don't like, that, don't put don't your... do that. Don't split your resources. Yeah, don't do that. That is a go t- all in because it shows that like no, that's see, terrible. That I I agree with you. Don't do that. Like yeah, don't that is do showing that. that your fans in Canada that you've got one foot out the door, one foot yeah, in. Yeah, like, don't do that. Don't do that. Just, oh, yeah, don't do that. That's put a, your resources, the money that you want to spend on transporting your team to another continent into growing the sport, and then that's all we're going to say about that because we are cautiously optimistic. We have. Yeah, I think. Uh, Cautiously optimistic, I think, is a good way of like wording, like where I kind of like where I'm just kind of like, I think the idea of having pro league is cool. I just I think I want to ultimately I have skepticism about it and stuff. And even even like the Wolfpack branding, I'm like, maybe I don't know. I don't know how I feel about bringing that back, because I think there is some like, you know, there that was a team that had like lawsuits and still owes a lot of ticket holders. A lot uh, of you know what? I, I disagree. I think you got to ride that the, I think that that's kind of stuff when, when you see how shrunk down the, the, the organization's going to be, you'll kind of forget about that. And new ownership changes a lot, right? Like new it ownership. Does if people are fully aware that there is a new, or I guess it's like what somebody just bought the intellectual property, I guess. Right. Um. Anyway, basically. I'm like, like I think I just ultimately like I want to see more of like what the actual yeah. business plan That's is fair. before I get like too excited about it. And yeah, like I just I don't know if like the player pool of league players is big enough. Yeah, so we'll see how that develops in pro sure. league in North America. All right, well we're still missing Stu, but we're going to keep trucking along because there has been some MLR signing news and trades. So we're going to kind of blow through some of that quickly. Um, the CLC Wolf sign winger Carson Leitner, um, five BC premierships. He's played on the sevens team. He's played in 17 matches. They're kind of hurting a little bit, especially with the departure of Brock Stoller and, and their depth and wings. So great for another young Canadian to get a spot. Um, uh, the Sabercats signed lock Lucas Albornes. Uh, he has a, one 
cap versus the U.S. in 2017. I believe he was playing overseas in New Zealand. Yes. Uh, before he came back to North America. So uh, again, we got to have more of these Canadian athlete, uh, Canadian rugby players coming back and playing in domestic leagues. Yeah, it's he's a he's a dual. Chance. I think dual Canada Argentina citizenship. Fantastic. What so, you would again, think means he fits in great on the arrows, but <laughs> he's that he's that he's the 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 mediator when they try to decide if where they want to go for supper. That's uh, just, just a joke. I'm sure like he's gonna be fun. He'll he'll do hopefully do do well on Houston, although they yeah. are struggling right now. Yeah, I'll be talking about that later. <laughs> um, and then the final little bit of transaction news is LA has kind of uh continued their their cap space clearing house sale uh by trading nick boyer to um the houston sabercats so the sabercats have been quite busy um they well, said they yeah because they, they got to make the team better somehow i guess yeah they have like how many scrum halves does houston have now because that would be that's what um there's Roos, uh, who isn't playing i guess he's hurt or something right now yeah um so you got Roos, mun mun uh stewart short and i guess now boyer they have what five scrum halves yeah yeah that's a lot of scrum halves it's a lot of, we thought that the arrows had a lot of scrum halves that's the first time i really thought about that thank you yeah, Derek. Yeah, that's a lot of scrum halves or whatever uh but you know what nick boyer is, is is a class nine you know he's been in mlr for quite some time played with the legion played with the raptors he's got sevens experience he's got uh 15s experience so he will be looking to kind of help shore shore up things while uh, uh, Darus is is away, and you know what? You never know with that sevens experience, they might plop him somewhere else. So, uh, looking yeah. forward for I Nick think... Boyer to get a chance to play again because he was kind of being left on an island with with LA in their first two games. So, yeah, I think it's kind of interesting too. Is obviously LA is making these moves because they got some salary cap issues, mm -hmm. um, and obviously that trade for Boyer's cap space. Um, I don't think Utah has officially said it, but I think we can assume that it's a similar deal for Mika Cruze. I believe um, so. I think I think in both press releases they mentioned. Oh, oh did they? They said okay. Yeah. Um, so it'd be interesting because it's like I heard they might have to make a couple more, but I'm also like I wonder how much cap space went back if that was, you know, if that's enough to do it. We'll see how many more moves LA has to make. I do think it's interesting though um, that LA, you know, a lot of talk about LA's roster too has been the amount of foreign players that they have. And obviously they already, we already know that they traded for a couple extra foreign player slots anyways. Uh, so interesting to see that the two guys that they sent out were American. Right. Yeah. So I mean, they're, they're one of their scrum halves is also American, you know? Oh Christian no, they Rodriguez, got guys. And obviously so. like Cruze center can also play some wings. So they got some, some Amer uh, American Canadian guys that can do that, such as Stu's favorite player, Ryan James. But, <laughs> I think, but yeah, so it'd be interesting to kind of see, I'd be, I'm curious to see if they, if they do more, if they, you know, if they have to make some more moves or. Sure. We'll, you know. we'll be for sure. Keep an eye on that. Cause that is a, a tricky situation. People love, love, especially on Reddit to, to uh, try to make guesses and estimations about the, the, the yeah. situation in, in LA. And as, and a, as a slight side note, and I know like, like, I, they better get under the cap. Like I'm not saying, but like I see, see a lot of people kind of, I think with like the name and then signing all the superstar guys. And then, you know, this news of like how close are they to the cap and all the speculation and stuff on it. Um, 
it's kind of fun that MLR actually has a bad guy this year. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It, like, I mean, the it, Legion it, last like, year. I mean, they better be out. under the cap. They better be under the cap. I'm not trying to be like, let them get away with it or something. No, absolutely. Even though you are a Saracen. But I am a Saracen. That's true. But, but that's true. But, <laughs> yeah. Is a Derek, if they go over the cap, is Derek going to get their kit? <laughs> Only if it has James 14 on the back. Um, <laughs> but I think. I think it's fun to have a team to hate. Like, I think, it, like, you know what I mean? Like, we need, in a way. How do you know that the, that the arrows aren't that? The how do you know that people don't? Yeah. Do how do you know hate people? The arrows? Do people do people hate the arrows? Maybe. Let me know if you hate the I don't know. You we guys might be the bad guys. Arrows. We might be that gif. It's yeah. like, are we the bad guys? But I think, like, you need, like, a, like a Yankee. Like, I just want, like, you kind of need, like, that Yankees, Maple Leafs, Patriots team that, like, unless you're a fan of them, you hate them. Just. Yeah, for like I'm not interesting that. marketing and stuff. Maybe we are. Maybe I don't know. Is it Seattle, San Diego? Who knows? Who knows? All right. Well, let's move on to nice Stu to pop in for like six seconds there. Yeah. Poor guy. He's still All he's right. still, he's still working away on that red card. I haven't decided the red <laughs> card for uh, picking Old Glory last week. I haven't decided if this is going to be like an MLR red card or like a proper red card yet. Well, let's let's kick it old school, just you and me for now, then, Derek, and let's move on to the Toronto Arrows match. Well, goodness gracious, what a uh, turn of events, and we were quite happy with how this game turned out. The Arrows get their first win of twenty twenty. I don't think Stu was happy with the way this game turned out. No, no, he very we can rip said, on him because he's not here to defend himself anymore. No, you know, I will defend him because he said, and it was very shrewd of him. He wins either way. That's basically what he his plan was. You win in either way because if you won. If the arrows won, he the arrows won. I would, arrows I would, I would buy that if he wasn't like one in three on his picks this week. <laughs> but you know what? The arrows are back. Um, they won 40 to 19. Tries by uh, Roland, Diana, Lesage, Amiras, and Higgins. Um, Adams had had a, uh, a penalty kick. Willie had a penalty kick. And then Adams had that shrewd, very smart drop call at the 40th minute to go into the shed, which. What a great play. It was a great play. Um, Derek, let's get into the the what worked well, the what needs improving, and who is your personal player of the match. Uh, do you mind if I go first? Sure. Go All for right. it. Your show. You're the what one worked, it. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. What worked well? Um, discipline was a lot better than the last two games. Um, I think that the Arrows um, really played kind of an even-keeled uh, game. Um, they were a lot cleaner at the breakdown. I kind of, I have it like ingrained in my mind. Like a couple times where Quatrin and Shepard in that Utah game were just kind of flopping around and trying to swipe out the players and got penalties from the breakdown and you know hands were thrown up in the air. It was much better uh, this time around. They were, they were, they they kind of walked that line perfectly. Especially Lucas Rumball. He had a beast of a game. Um, you best, know, being aggressive. Side flanker in Major League Rugby. Best, um, yeah. um, really, really walk that line of, of of kind of challenging the laws and and but making sure that they did it legally. So I really enjoyed that. Um, what needs improving? Um, I kind of mentioned it last week about large rangy centers kind of taking control of the game against the arrows and threaten Palomo is one of the best centers in the league. So 
you know, you got to try and, and, and just kind of, it's kind of like a wave. Yeah. He's a monster. You just got to kind of take it as he goes. Um, but we're going to be going into a match this upcoming weekend and um, Billy Meeks and Adam Ashley Cooper are two class centers guys that have super rugby tons of world cup test caps, you know, like they've got the experience there. And I feel like if we see what's been happening with some of these rangy big centers that have been taking the game over against the arrows, um, the Trois and Lasage had a much better game. They need to keep it up. That that would be my my big thing that needs to keep improving. They need to be on a next level for their their defense. Um, my personal player of the match is actually someone I'm just about to mention. Uh, ben Lasage had a great game. I was gonna say I hope you're about to mention him. The player <laughs> of the match segment. He, he awkward played, if you didn't mention him during this. He played very well. Uh, much better defensively. Um, he had some really strong carries, including uh, his his try under the posts, which was fantastic. First career MLR, try. first career MLR try. Uh, so congratulations, Ben. We love it. We love you and your scrum cap this year. Tyler Roland also first career MLR try in this game. Um, that is very true. Um, but like I think just uh, Ben's like scrambling defense was also just really strong. There are a couple times where like. Uh, they would make a, the old uh, old glory make a line break, and and Lesage was either the guy making the tackle or the first one trying to jackal that ball or or messing around to slow things down a little bit. So really happy with what his um, game was like, uh, and who was impressive from the opposition. Um, I kind of mentioned mentioned him already. Threaten Palama was a beast. Doug Frazier played well. He got kind of hurt, so hopefully Doug's doing uh, doing okay. Um, but another guy who really impressed me, um, um, Fanana Schultz, um, the the big eight man from from Old Glory. He had a lot of really strong carries as well. That um, one play that he had, where it was off, I think it was off the restart, where he like lit up Mirez and then immediately picked up the ball and like, I guess he stepped out of bounds or stepped into touch, so that the try didn't count. But I'm like, yeah. That that would have been like, a try. I was like, yeah, I was like, oh man, like the arrows kind of got away with one. That would have been like the try early try of the year if he didn't step into touch there. Cause that's yeah. Um that was a crazy play, but so no. yeah, I, I'm I'm very happy with how that game went. Set piece was cleaned up really nicely. I again, um I thought that they really did a good job handling their their emotions and 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 the penalties. And I saw a lot of really fun creativity. I Someone needs to tell Walking Tuklet though, if the offload's not there, don't take the offload. Because once again, after making an amazing play to, to and, and helping your 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 team get into the other team's, um, you know, twenty two, he offloaded it to Old Glory, and it was like, okay, well that threat's over. So Joaquin's class player, so he will get yeah. a uh, you know try to do that less, especially with a team like. LA, but he won. He was chosen to be player of the match from Old Glory, so he got a nice bottle of whiskey. Yeah, I thought he was. I thought he was great too. I wonder if that's something though, where it's like you expect because used to playing with a guy sometimes to maybe, but like I mean, and also I think some of those one where he, he did kind of throw them and they did kind of go straight to an opposing player. They did a, yeah. a, a, a he did it against Utah too. Yeah, ex- but, two games in a row. Yeah, and I think maybe maybe that's he's got to get he's got to get used to where the arrows. 
his team level is exactly. Where, I think it's, I think it's goes both ways. Yeah. Like, you got to so get, you're not playing with Bordeaux or you're not playing with, with the, the, the Los Pumas anymore. You know, you're playing in Toronto, you're playing with high level rugby, but it, they might not have hey, the instinct to, to be there. To give you I would ready. love man, him and Montero hooked up for some nice tries on the Pumas though. So, I mean, be nice. Unfortunately, Montero injured, but that that would be sweet, man. I want to see those guys uh, hook up on a man, couple of nice counter. I hope Montero comes back, so that way I can see my Montero on Ryberg violence. Oh man, I just, I hope he comes back just to see him destroy anybody. Um, I know, but that would be like King Godzilla versus King Kong. Basically, this good. Movie. Have you have you watched it yet? Is that good? um my older brother saw it and he said basically it's exactly what you thought. Godzilla versus King Kong would be perfect. That's kind of all I want. See, Although, because that was the one thing, and it was like, I feel like because now we're obviously back in lockdown here, and it's like not that movie theaters were open before we went back in the lockdown, but like I feel like that's one of those movies where I really want to see it on like a big screen. Um, mm-hmm. you know what else I would like to see on a big screen? Major League Rugby games. Um, I think Cineplex should get on that. Make it, yeah, you can do it. Let's Why have not? fans of this, they let's have like, uh, let's yeah. have some games. That'd be cool. In, in you want to go if, if they're stuck in Atlanta. You want to you want to go to like a watch party at like a Cineplex. If they're stuck in Atlanta, that means that they can't come back to Canada because of COVID. That means I am definitely not going to a Cineplex anytime soon. Oh, all right. Well, we'll we'll go to a Texas Rangers game instead. Uh, ugh, no. All right. Tell me. Tell yeah. me how you feel about the game, Derek. Let's stop trying to make me vomit. I'll never stop that. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I thought there's. This is obviously easily the Arrow's best game. This is literally the exact opposite of last week. Last week, we had to find things to say that worked well. Yeah, I do find it fascinating, though, that you were like, the discipline was so much better. They had one less penalty than last week. Um, Right. You, uh, Old Glory. I think part of it is... Old Glory had more. Old Glory had 13 to Toronto's 11. The big difference, though, is Old Glory didn't make them pay for them and stuff. Um, but like, it's not like I would think. I would think it also wasn't a lot of penalties. I'm not trying to say it. I agree. No, I also think it would. It would be interesting to see where the penalties were as well. Yeah. Um. Because most of them are just. I mean, most of them are just in the ruck, not releasing. Uh, more sorry, where the field is, right? Like, like yeah. oh, they gave up right. only one less penalty, but were they in all in their own kickable zone? Or were they no. in the opposite team's opposition? Well, like compare it to the Utah game. Yeah. Well, I think that's the other thing too. Like when you get out to a big lead like that, right? Like early, like they, you know what I mean? Like you get up to the 15 nothing lead. Um, like that kind of forces the forces the other team to be like, well, we got to score a try. Like we can't kick for points because we need to try too, right? Um, although Utah, but either way, I'm not talking about Utah anymore. Um, but I thought the one thing to me, this game was won and lost the breakdown. Um, I thought Rumble was immense. I thought Della Vega was insane. The way the game started was kind of weird because it was like Old Glory had all the possession, all the territory. Like the entire first like seven minutes was played almost within the like around the arrows 22. But it would just be like they had like Old Glory came up the pitch like four times. I think Della Vega forced a couple turnovers or knock-ons or something. And, you know, like that was great to see. I thought the arrow's line speed in defense was really good. Um, the counter rucking was outstanding. I think that's kind of highlighted by 
a play like in the I think it's like the 35th minute somewhere around there um Cole Keith had a great counter ruck where I think it was Fanana Schultz and uh Roberts Tanana were the two players that were rucking for old glory and Tusatala comes in to pick up the ball but like Fanana Schultz kind of shifts and when he shifts Cole Keith starts the counter ruck and just blows Roberts Tanana over and then at that puts them back into Tusatala forces the knock on they did that like all game especially Rumble Rumble I mean had a couple monster steals um to you know to end end a couple old glory chances as well um and you know it's Lucas Rumble just doing Lucas Rumble things hit basically like every ruck imaginable once again Lucas Rumble is I feel like it's something that maybe we haven't talked about as much because the arrows are one and two where they lost the first two games. Rumble is like on like an absolutely like torrid pace as far yeah, as it's hard. Goes. It's hard to p- point out like like yeah good performances so on losing Rumble, effort. Rumble right now has um eight breakdown steals, which is double like the next highest guy in the league, and. Last year, through five games, Cam Dolan led the league with six. Right, so he like so Rumball's like just like completely like taking advantage of those yeah, preseason situations, crushing it with the breakdown steals, and I hope that continues. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I think, I think, yeah, like you said, it's like um, Palamo and Frazier and the centers. Frazier had some. You talked about Palamo, obviously, kind of highlighted by that that uh, play where Palamo kind of runs over Taylor, yeah, Adams Taylor Adams for the try. I thought that was a really good play from Old Glory because, like, Palamo kind of runs into like where um, Dabalus was his space is and kind of like curves in, which puts him into that like one on one with Adams. Um, so I thought I thought that was that was a pretty decent play, um, simple play, but pretty decent play from from Old Glory to kind of set that up. But Frazier had a couple carries where it was like, okay, like what do we need here, boys? Like four, five, six guys to tackle. Yeah, it's crazy like, to see a guy his his height. Oh man, just just absolutely needs so many guys to take it down. Yeah. And he also he had like a a bunch of big carries, gained a lot of meters. He was also great yeah. at the breakdown too. He had a couple Frazier had a couple steals himself. Like he was yeah uh easily one of old glory's better players. Um I think yeah my personal man of the match was totally rumble um for everything that I already mentioned. I think the breakdown I think the breakdown because I mean we we spent the last like everybody spent the last couple of weeks talking about like Danny Tusatala is going to be the MVP or he's like the early MVP candidate and he was like neutralized in this game he couldn't do anything because mm-hmm. the, the arrows completely took away his ruck speed like his ability to play get quick ball um, and that's kind of what Tusatala's game is so you could take that away um, Adams the kicking game from Adams and Tukule was outstanding. Um, you know, they, I thought they generated a lot of, you know, gaining some territory and stuff, but also putting the, the old glory back three under a lot of pressure too, as far as like their ability to like make plays and stuff. Um, I thought that was great. I think, I mean, needs improving. I mean, I, I, this is still, I think far from what peak Toronto arrows is going to be. 
Um, handful of missed tackles throughout the game. We kind of alluded to like obviously Palamo and Frazier were a big factor for some of those. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, like I think Jamie Cudmore did like a seminar on defense back in like the summer, and you know he was like, you got to, you know, he wants his teams to be like tackling at like ninety percent. So the arrows were um, around like eighty one, eighty two in this game. So like you want to bring that up. Um, I mean, when you win a game by over 20 points, doesn't it's not that big of a it's probably not that big of a deal, but tighter games, you want to like shore that up a little bit. But like there's also no no tackle in the game that I was just like, ooh, like that was a badly broken other than the Palamo one, I guess. Um and then but I think I think there's there's a lot of positives. The scrum looked better. I thought a big a big thing for me in this game was the lineout. I thought was was much improved, especially since the first twelve yeah. points of the game were from the lineout. Right, you had Tyler Rowland scoring his first career MLR try off of driving mole at the lineout, and then you also had Thomas De La Vega, who again arrows. Prop, I mean, I think. We could probably start being like the arrows have the best back row in the league, maybe. Um, I think that's a genuine conversation that you can have. And I think like the, like Della Vega's line out steel monster. And you know, rump they were able to run that back up, and that ended up being the second try of the game. And I think, you know, like that's something that's great to see. Great to see them being able to build off of that. I also thought it was super interesting because we've always talked about how the arrow scrum is super dominant. And you know, we were talking about after the rugby ATL game, how they like, we felt that the new rules hindered their ability to dominate at the scrum and hindered like, you know, cause they had to go for a line out. And I thought it was super. And as a team that usually calls for scrums off penalties, um, like it was, it feels like that rule can kind of hurt those teams. But then this game, they didn't call for a scrum once off a penalty, right? Like they just went to straight to line outs, which is either, like I'm wondering if that's either a sign of like their confidence at the lineouts growing, especially when you score on the first one of the game too. Like mm-hmm. that's got to be a benefit. Or is that also kind of like, hey, you know what? If the if we're gonna call for a scrum and this team's just gonna take down the scrum and go for a lineout, like we might as well just go straight to the lineout, right? And maybe maybe that's a little bit of a strategy adaption. Maybe that's something. But also like the vast majority of MLR tries come off lineouts, like right. So you know maybe a little bit of um adaptation to the strategy perhaps we'll see how how much that goes forward um i think the big question out of the first couple games or three games now um ferguson higgins brody have all started at that at the end because i want to hear how Stu felt about the game oh yeah Uh, Stu's back now hey Stu's back. Stu, Stu, how did you feel how the game went not good since he bet on Old Glory DC. Uh, yeah. Not not. not Actually, this, this week you did not win. Yeah, so this you was one a bad week for you. So. No. Oh no. No, you would have been oh, no, two. I know. Two. I got, been no, got one. Stu's correct, right. As a fan, Stu the fan won. Stu the podcast host lost. Yeah. That's all I care. About. Yeah. Oh boy. Yes. So I lost, but I won. So that's all. Um, so yeah, I feel 
So I was um, obviously connecting whilst uh, Derek was talking. So unfortunately, I didn't get everything that he said. Um, so the things that works well, if I can narrow it down, is the attack plan. It just has all clicked together. And as a Welsh supporter, <laughs> You're loving I was now, feeling an incredible sense of deja vu with uh, some of these running plays. I mean, I've, all, I've always loved the attacking play and I've always loved the arrows. And now it's a combination of the two. So this is, this is the Howley template come to life. And, you know, it doesn't always work. That's why Wales don't have a block record of Grand Slams from 2008 to 2019, obviously. Um, but, you know, it's working against... It worked spectacularly well against Old Glory. I mean, that try by Ben Lesage just carving through the defence was phenomenal. Um, and then we have the uh, tri the tries by Mirez and Higgins to finish off um, the Arrows scoring try-scoring opportunities. So, you know, the attack plan is coming together and... You know, it's now time to... I think it'll be tested, especially in the next game. But also, as the season goes on and coaches are watching game highlights and or um, the Arrows attack plan over a few games, it may need a bit of changing every few games or so just to ensure it doesn't grow stale and coaches know what to expect. Uh, but for now, fantastic. Um, what needs improving? I did hear you talk about uh, Palamo, and it seems to me as though uh, that was the epicenter of the tackling issue, because obviously having four missed tackles that um, could have prevented a try is obviously never good news to uh, any team. Um, but I also remember watching the game and seeing opportunities to tackle and not being pushed off but allowing the opposition to easily offload the ball and so i think tackling needs to be worked on as part of the defensive plan it may just be a issue of like the gelling of plans come together so there's like obviously um howley's coming in he's a new attack coach and he expects this from the players whilst the um previous defensive plan isn't you know it's not like two Lego pieces coming together. It's like uh, Lego and Duplo coming together. It's similar, but it's not exactly there. And hopefully we can see that come together over the next uh, few games. And, you know, and when it does, it'll be amazing. But I think the tackling was an issue and does need to be addressed. Uh, my personal player of the match, uh, I think, was uh, Joaquin Tukalet. Uh, he had... An incredible game as a uh, fullback. Yep. Yeah, he did have the one um, <laughs> unfortunate offload straight into DC's hands. Yeah, so uh, I do. You know, you you can't be perfect, so but uh, you can be pretty damn good. And he did make up for it, um, especially with the build up to the Mirez and the Higgins try. So he um, was I a do. try assist for I the Higgins try. Great and that there's so many actual for, like men um, of the match Mirez as well. Options so, in this game, um, even like seeing like the arrows up fan group was discussing it, and there was like six names that were thrown out as like different different people's interpretation of who the man of the match should be. And um, yeah. even like I mean, we haven't even mentioned like Adrian Wadden was great again. Yeah, 
like at body. Mm-hmm. Like, so, I mean, that's looking like he's going to be, you know, may, maybe mm-hmm. a guy yeah. that team uh, Kingsley Jones needs to be taking a serious look at for a, a red and white four jersey. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing, is in uh, Tugalette was so good that even Old Glory gave him their uh, whiskey award. Um, not sure but they so when they award um a player of the opposing team who they feel is their like opposition man of the match so you know and that's the thing if old glory can say like yeah this guy he's pretty good then i think uh you know you should take that into account and speaking of old glory i think there there were some um good players on that side and obviously it didn't work out for them uh doug fraser as you mentioned was fantastic at center, had a few, uh, able to push off a few arrows in uh, tackles, which is, again, something going back to the tackle issue as well. Um, but just for uh, experience, leadership, and of course, his try that broke the duck, uh, my man of the match from yeah, um, Glory has to be threatened. One of my favorite things about the game was uh, Mike McCartney saying uh, off the schnoz. That is a phrase I'm going to start using way more. Uh, So awesome. Uh, We also want to congratulate Liam Murray and Ross Broad uh, Brody uh, for uh, getting their first uh, caps with, with the arrows. So congratulations guys. Um, Liam Murray is currently on loan uh, from uh, the Sabercats. I think it's one of those situations. The arrows are hurt. The Sabercats want him to get games in. He's probably familiar with a lot of things that they're probably doing with them. Uh, So so congratulations, Liam and Ross. We're, we're excited to see more of you. Now, speaking of Ross, um, he had a, a strong game starting in the nine jersey. Quickly, guys, I want to talk to you guys about the arrows now have three scrum halves. You know, they've got, you know, uh, Andrew Ferguson started the first game. Uh, uh, Jason Higgins started the second game. Ross Brody started the third game. We've got three guys that have all had uh, varying degrees of success with the arrows in 2021. Who are you guys giving the start? If, if everyone's healthy too, we don't really know that the, yeah. the levels of, of health right now. Um, well, we know um, Mackenzie's hurt; he's still on the injury report. So we'll, yes, let's eliminate. Yes. We'll eliminate him from the discussion. Yeah, didn't even didn't even mention him. Yeah, but uh, I know that he's not tra- He's not with the team right now. So yeah. I just kind of yeah, none of it. That's fine. Um, it's interesting because there's that part of me that kind of thinks and. I think it's in there with like um, his second half from when he came on in the second half. I think Higgins might be the best scrum, like the most in form at the moment. But I think you don't like after going 0-2 to start the season, maybe you don't mess with the roster that won the game. So maybe you start Brody. But I feel like I feel like it's going to be a combination of Brody Higgins next week. That'd be my guess. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree on that. And I think because obviously you can just look at Higgins and say, well, he has two tries, so we should obviously pick him. But I think Brody was uh, very instrumental, uh, especially when it came to um, both from like set pieces and in open play as well. And then, and 
So I think we've had uh, Higgin. We've had Higgins come on from the bench as well, and I think now having played what I could essentially say like a full game at scrum half by playing um, again, starting against Utah, then off the bench, I think he does have a better impact from the bench as well. And (laughs) I feel bad for Ferguson because obviously he's been on the podcast and, uh, you know, we don't want to make enemies within the team. Um, But I think is that obviously Ferguson having the experience is then in the case of if Higgins or Brody are unfortunately like out for a game or two, then you have the experienced Ferguson come on and, you know, I, so to put it short, I don't think the, well, no, they're not, but we need to speculate who's going to start because it's not going to be in a bad position. I, Higgins, Higgins had that dope, um, off like yeah, diving catch and offload to set up that Mirez try to a little bit of the got the champagne pop in the, the uh for the end of the game you know yeah. what guys i i think that andrew ferguson deserves to be in this lineup i think back to um the downward stretch of the 2019 mm-hmm. season especially with the arrows versus rooney and when it was McKenzie starting the game and Ferguson coming off the bench, he brought a level of energy that uh, helped them win a lot of games. Um, I like the idea of Higgins starting because I think that he has been uh, playing very well. Um, but with a team like LA, I think I want some experience coming off the bench. And I think that we're going to get that from from Ferguson and he's going to know uh, a little bit more when it comes to kind of some of these guys. Like, there are still a lot of players from this this LA team that that hit that Ferguson would have a little bit of familiarity with, minus that you know the, the international stars. So, <laughs> which is most of their team. <laughs> Ferguson did say, uh, did he not say on our podcast that his favorite player was Matt Gitto? I think so. If I'm recalling correctly. So, so now I'm now I'm doubling down on what I said. Now I want I, I you know I think that the Higgins deserves to maybe start, <laughs> but I also liked what Ferguson did coming off the bench in Utah as well. So, you know I think I'm gonna go with with Higgins Higgins Ferguson. I, I, yeah, I think that I think that's fair. I think my, my, I think the biggest advent like I guess thing that Brody right now has on the other two guys is that he won. Right, so it's like I don't know. Do you how much? So then, do we not do we keep Gaston Cortez out of the light up? Yeah. No, I would not keep Gaston Cortez. Well, but, then what's the point? That, he he was part of the winning team. No, it's true, but he was also part of the team that lost. So exactly. So keep him out of the lineup. Don't put Cortez in. Maybe. Well, yeah, Montero done. Montero, <laughs> yeah. you're done. Okay, you're cut. Much, my logic on this might not work. Okay. All right. Well, you know what? Uh, <laughs> great game by the Arrows. Uh, this this game against LA is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, one way or another, either the arrows are going to make it a really, really close game, or we're going to see LA do LA stuff. Um, but let's move on, guys, because we want to finish off by talking about the three other matches. Um, starting with uh, Utah versus New England. Stu, you are on the clock. Tell us about what happened. So, first thing to point out is that this is the first ever MLR game at Union Point because obviously the Free Jacks didn't have the opportunity to play a home game last year. So, you know, a long time coming. To say, I think the broadcast even opens with saying that uh, this is the last 
a new stadium for MLR at the moment. So, you know, finally, uh, it's come to New England. Um, so for the first 20 minutes, I'd say there was, you know, even balance of the teams. And I know that uh, that obviously wasn't the way Utah wanted to start, especially after their performance against the Arrows. Uh, but, you know, that's also going into talking about how good that New England's defense is. And, you know, so, you know, first 20 minutes, maybe not. It's a first 20 minutes was for the purists. Let's put it like that. Um, but then as uh, the game went on, uh, I know that New England um, were able to capitalize on mistakes, not just um, penalties, but just like mistakes in open play as well which actually led to the first penalty um, and uh, Walker's boot was superb all, all game. And, you know, it's, it was one of those issues of like, if they are with, if it's within like 40 meters of the post, then Walker's going to get the points because he was just fantastic. And that I feel was the dagger to Utah's ambitions that day is that, because um, obviously both teams conceded penalties, but it's because of Utah's indiscipline and, you know, those forced errors with Waka on the team. That's obviously going to ensure that they're going to, you know, chip away, build that point difference. And in the end, it was the point difference that saved New England and ensured that they got their first back to back win. Um, but, you know, that's not be down about Utah. Let's talk about the positives, including what could be considered a uh, try of the week. The with, hair. Uh, Josh Whippy's try. That chip collection. Um, pass, oh, fantastic. Oh, and the wind, you know, just oh, perfect. Um, it was helped by a crap tackle. Let's put it. Let's, let's be honest. It was an awful tackle by, I think it was Harrison Boyle. It was the um, fly half who just, you know, hugged his waist and then let go and, you know, ran in and Whippy passed it off and then got it back. And then, you know, not only scored a try, but pulled a New England player with him when doing so. It's uh, the grounding is just hilarious. But, you know, and, you know, Utah did keep uh, New England honest and uh, close. And so I'd say, but I would say at the same time, you know, start of the second half, Utah are down. They know that, you know, they need to get momentum going. They need to be scoring as soon as possible. So, of course, in the 41st minute, it's uh, WB5 that's uh, scoring again for New England. You know, five probably one like the best signings for New England, in all honesty, for this season. And he's now got, I believe, three tries to his name? Or is it two? Three. Um, but yeah, uh, Utah were ultimately undone by their penalty count. And that came to play at the end of the second half when it was uh, Mikey Teo scoring a try and the conversion, and they still lost by one point. So, you know, so that'll be something for them to figure out for the next game. Uh, New England, obviously, in the positives. So I've mentioned the standout players already. uh, Dougie Fife, Bowden Walker, Josh Whippy, all phenomenal of their teams. but let's focus on the Canadians. New England, Josh Larson, Captain Canuck. Um, you know, leading by example, excellent work in uh, scrum and lineouts. Um, just 
you know, just what you want to have from a captain, you know, leading by example, getting it things done and obviously uh, getting his team going. Uh, Utah is, um, you know, the uh, starting scrum half this week, Fraser Hurst. You know, obviously he didn't have the uh, magic try that he had last week, but, you know, you can't expect it every week. I mean, that's just not fair. Um, yeah, Hurst was... He, he did what he could, and but again, New England's defense was fantastic. Uh, Utah obviously have stuff to work on. The good thing is New England now go into the bye week, and Utah will be facing the Seawolves, uh, but they will be back at home for that. So, yeah, I don't want to count Utah out. Um, you know, I have said in the past, you know, they've had trouble with like maintaining momentum, but you know, they did seem to have. You know, a positive atmosphere at home. So who knows? Maybe they can. Uh, Derek, how did the uh, rugby ETL versus uh, Legion game go? Because it was uh, not good. If you're uh, San Diego, Um, just um, yeah, exactly. It went pretty good if you were the other team. But Um, wonderful the the other team. Just uh, we'll do a little. I think maybe we we can do a little breaking news on the uh, the podcast here, at least when we're recording. Uh, it'll pull kind of pull back the curtain on when we actually did record this episode, though. Um, but since it's happening now, the Seattle Seawolves have signed Akito Yamada um, from Japan. Uh, so it's actually it's not technically a signing though. And it says the way the press release is worded says the um, like Yamada has been like trade. They say traded. I'm assuming they mean transferred from. Um, NTT communication shining arcs in the Japan top league to Seattle. So, um, he would be, if, if that's a transfer, then that would be Asiata would be the first external transfer from MLR. I think this would be the first, would this be the first internal transfer or maybe did somebody else have a contract somewhere? I'm not really sure. I don't I'm, know. That's interesting. I think of this off the top of my head at the moment. Um, but yeah, Akito uh, Yamada um, to the Seattle Seawolves. And uh, the Seattle Seawolves, busy bye week, I guess, because they didn't play. They just decided to sign everybody. Um, Hula Hula uh, Mongala from the USA Eagles. He played for the Warriors last year. Um, he is joining the Seattle Seawolves, too. So that'll, uh, that's a big front and row addition as well. Um, so, yeah, big, uh, big couple minutes here for the, uh, the Seattle Seawolves. I've just seen on Twitter that the wording they've used is Yamada has joined the hunt for 2021. The wing has been traded to the Seawolves from the Shining. Uh, future configurations is a very North American term that means we'll figure Whatever it out that later. Means. <laughs> but, it's a very baseball thing. It's a very baseball thing. It's a very baseball yeah. thing. It's like, I like, uh, you all the details I saw some like Reddit comments about like upper body, lower body injury from the arrows being a very hockey thing. And I'm like, that's true. That was created in Toronto by Pat Quinn, so it fits. Fits good. Uh, yeah. Good theme to keep going. At least to do an injury reports. Um. Anyways, rugby ATL San Diego Legion. Um. This game was completely dominated by Bautista Escura, Robbie Petzer, and Rory Van Vucht. Um. They just dissected the San Diego Legion with their kicking game. Um. It was pretty gorgeous to watch really um just absolute tactical masterclass um from rugby atl their defensive line speed 
um, especially from guys like Heaton, Momsen, Retta Lingheis, um, Wengluski, Petrokopoulos, they hit a bunch of rucks, but the line speed was unreal. Um, and every time either Van Vucht or Eskura or Petzer would throw a kickback, you know, into like towards Osley or Toto Vassal, who, I mean, Toto Vassal almost every time he had to turn around to go back and get a kick, um, which kind of forced him to kick back a lot, which isn't really Toto Vassal's game. He kind of likes keeping the ball in his hands and like running through people, right? So, um, they kind of they just rugby ATL just did a great job pretty much neutralizing a lot of San Diego's best players and you know by putting the the ball you know kick the way they kicked and then their defensive line came up so in sync that there was just nowhere for anyone to go they they made their tackles they controlled the possession they like even like San Diego had the ball more during this game, but the territory was 63% for rugby ATL. Cause it was like San Diego would get the ball, but they couldn't get out beyond like their own third, like 30 meters out of their own goal. And eventually Peterson would just be forced to kind of kick it to try anything. And that just meant that the ball went back to Van Vucht or Excura, who were the two best players on Atlanta during this game. And it's like, you, they, they kind of, the defense just kind of forced San Diego to put the ball back in the best player's hands. And that was pretty much the, the story of the game, man. Like it was completely dominant. That being said, I think Carlo Denishin might have been the best player on the pitch in this game. Um just he was everywhere. He had an immense work rate. Um he was getting the rucks. He had a couple because there was a couple like nice grubber kick attempts and he was like running like halfway across the pitch to be the guy that would get on the ball to cover these. Um, he did manage to find a couple of really nice lines to run through. Um, Wuching had a nice try too. Uh, but I think like there was one play O'Keefe had two tries on the wing and they were just like great passing plays, kind of nice plays that like wingers love because it's like, by the time the ball gets to them, all they have to do is jog and dot the ball down. And but O'Keefe almost had a third try and like Denishin literally like O'Keefe gets the ball on the wing, probably like 35 meters out and Denishin's in like the middle of the pitch and he just gets a perfect angle and like runs O'Keefe down and knocks him into touch. And it's, it's an outstanding tackle. It's a try saving tackle, hat trick saving tack, hat trick preventing tackle. Um, so that was great. Um, the yeah canadians um travis larson played 15 minutes at the end of a blowout so i mean what are you gonna accomplish yeah he played 15 minutes at the end of a blowout um matt heaton uh as i mentioned he played the full 80 uh he was terrific he led his team in tackles made 17 tackles um on the day i only missed two of them but that's fine um he had three three of those tackles were dominant too. Um and he also he added, you know, a couple carries just for 18 meters, but he hit the gain line on them more often than not. Um and you know, and he had uh, you know, got got around, got to a lot of rucks and stuff too. He was, you know, a good work rate throughout the game. Um, well captained, a lot of good decision making. 
um, from his part, like very tactical of kind of when rugby ATL would kick for points versus go for tries. Um, so that was, you know, great performance from him. Um, you know, it was just maybe a little, maybe, you know, a little overshadowed by the fact that so many of the backs on rugby ATL played great. And I mean, like Wooching, Wooching was solid. Wooching was also really good um, for um, San Diego. But um, it's interesting, man, because it's like this really, you know, we're a couple, three games in, this does not look like the menacing mammoth juggernaut team that they were in 2020. So um, good for good for Atlanta too, man. Like I think coming out of 2020, two of the best teams, Toronto, San Diego, and those are your, your, they're two and one and their two wins are Toronto, San Diego right now. So um, Atlanta's probably got to be feeling really good about themselves. Um, you know, Coleman out going to be out for a while. Um, and I think as Kura Petzer as your 10, 12 combination, um, could be could be problematic for uh, some teams in the Eastern Conference, and um, it looks like too um, Wengluski and Petropolis. Um, the scrum looked a lot better. Um, Atlanta won a hundred percent of their own scrums this week, which you know, despite beating Toronto, as Dan mentioned um, back, you know, a couple episodes ago, where they like they beat Toronto, but they were only like fifty percent on scrums, so. Um, you're already, already kind of seeing an improvement there from them. Um, and obviously like O'Keefe recently joined the team too, after Harley Davidson was injured in week one. So, um, new additions kind of, uh, coming through clutch for them so far. So, um, you know, I, uh, I'm kind of liking what I'm seeing out of rugby ATL at the moment. All right. Well guys, I've got the last game. I had the battle of Texas. Um, first things first, I want to thank, uh, Carrick Blake on Twitter uh, uh, at analysis guy, uh, 0502. Uh, he did a wonderful little breakdown and made a nice, uh, clean graph for me to kind of, uh, build my analysis of the game on top of the fact that I watched a, a really fantastic game, had a large, uh, animatronic armadillo, which was horrifying. Um, but you know what? It, it was a great game. Um, I think this game will be remembered by the inefficiency of the Sabercats and the defense of the Gilgronies. Um, one of the big stats is that um, the Sabercats had 12 contacts, which were negative contacts. So the Gilgronies had zero. And I think that's the big one is that in terms of uh, uh, making those tackles and making them dominant, uh, the Gilgronies did a fantastic job. They were super aggressive. Um, the Sager Cats recorded 68 more phases, yet only had six more dominant carries. So, yeah, they had the ball a lot, and they were carrying the ball a lot more, but they weren't doing it effectively. Um, and the de defense pummeled their carriers again 12 times, which is a lot uh, in a game. And I think the other, other uh, really cool stat that Carrick pointed out was um, the Gilgronies were very efficient in the 22 um, converting almost three points per every 22 uh, entrance. So 2.889 points per 22 meter visit. That is a very efficient offense. Um, you know, they didn't have as much of the possession, but when they had it, they did a really good job of making sure that they finished their, their, uh, their job. Um, the lineout was a very powerful option for them. Um, 
uh, you know, uh, Mason Cook had two tries of his own, and then Jamie McIntosh had another try to kind of uh, push it in from the from the forwards. Um, and then Roderick Waters kind of had, had a, a try to finish off in the uh, in the uh, last couple minutes. Again, nothing from Houston. Uh, this is the second goose egg that they've laid in the last uh, two games. They had three uh, yellow cards to um, Austin's one. So the fact that you've had that much possession and had more disciplinary action against you, that's not a good sign for Houston. Um, you know, when you're a team that's not scoring a lot but having a lot of possession, it, it's just going to come down to execution. Um the the relationship between um, Robbie Povey and um, Sam Windsor was very odd. I felt like even though um, Windsor was in that twelve jersey and Povey was in the ten, it felt like a lot of things were still coming through Windsor. A lot of plays were still coming through them, so it just felt like Povey was just an extra scrum half in a lot of cases. Um, so I would like to see Robbie Povey get more opportunities to play that that fly half position um, and not everything go through Windsor because Windsor is a big enough guy and he makes enough line breaks and, 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 and good little runs that he can be an effective 12, but I think they need to start giving Povey more options to be that number 10. Um, in terms of other Canadians, uh, Cole Davis, Davis came off the bench uh, for Frank Halal Um I kind of wish that he started over for Roderick Waters. Roderick had a lot of strong carries and he had the try at the end, but anybody after that pass from uh, uh, Pele Cali could have made that pass made, made that try. So, you know, Cole had a lot of really strong carries and, and I think that both of them have similar uh, playing styles. Roderick's is just a lot bigger. Um, so kind of a shame to see him only come off the bench, but he still played really well. Um, like I mentioned uh, Robbie Povey um, had an okay game in in the situation that he was in. And then the new signing, uh, Lucas Albornes, came off the bench uh, in the 68th minutes. He, he was serviceable. Um, it's hard when you're a new player to come in, especially in a position like Locke, and come off the bench and try to make impact. Uh, so other guys that I thought were played really well, um, Sebastian de Chavez uh, was the captain in this game for the Gilgronis. He was aggressive, just a mean, mean man, and I thought he played really well. Um, Frank Halal, before he went off, was was also a, a you know a, a monster, um, making a lot of really strong carries. Um, Jamie McIntosh, the Wapa, as everyone's calling him, he was a beast. I uh, really enjoyed watching him play. So for Austin, this is starting to see the Austin that we we know. Um, I think that the backs have more to give. Um, but if that pack plays like they played uh, this past weekend, then they're in good shape in the West. For the Sabercats, <sighs> two games in a row, you failed to score any points. That's not good enough. Um, hopefully they can figure something out because they've got talent on this team. Um, maybe, maybe having someone, you know, coming in can change things. You know, they just made that that trade with LA for another scrum half. So maybe that can do something about it. But uh, as it looks, they are in rough shape. So I've got a question, Dan. Yes. If 
two teams now have been able to put um, beat Houston without conceding a single point. How crap are Seattle then this year to have lost to Houston? Houston always wins their first game. It's tradition. You have to let them win. It always wins their first game. So yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I want like watching that. That it's just a different team. Like the execution is was was there in that first game. Yeah, yeah. Like, first game Houston is almost unstoppable in Major League Rugby. Yeah, like they're making offloads. They have to play games two through sixteen. You know, I don't know where where Robbie's Robbie Povey's spot is on this team. Whether or not he does stay at ten, or they move him to fullback. And you move Frere either on the wing or something like that. Do you move Frere back to fly uh, half? Excuse me. Like, pardon me. Do you, do you move Windsor back to fly half? Like do you try that again? Uh, like that's that's his spot at this right? point. Like, anything, just try anything, try anything at this point. Because what's work, what they're doing now ain't working. That's right. Where, All right. Where the yellow kit? Where the look at look at the Toronto Arrows. Toronto Arrows put on blue shorts and one. Blue shorts with last names on it. Just change something up. Change something there up. There you go. We'll, we'll see what they can come up with. Yeah, mix and match. Wear like the black. Wear, yeah, I don't know. Wear the black kit with yellow shorts or the other way around. Like, just do no, they, they've got San Diego coming up this week. So we'll see how, what, what they end up doing. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, let's finish off this episode with, with our predictions. So first game, Toronto versus LA in NOLA. <laughs> Who do you guys got? Toronto. Stick. I have to ask now because I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm also going Toronto. I'm going Toronto as well. Stu? So I'm on the fence because, first of all, oh, shut up, Derek. I didn't say anything. I just rolled my your, eyes really hard. Your breathing was annoying me. Mm. <laughs> um, because Now, this is the thing. If, it had, if LA had played last week, I would have said Toronto. However, you know, they have a bye week. They have all these, like, big internationals who have, like, lots of game experience. And they've, you know, shipped 99 points in two games. Admittedly against Seattle and uh, New England. But, you know, New England aren't to be sniffed at. Um, I, re- I think it's going to be really close. And... I never said it wouldn't be close. I just said I'm picking Toronto. Let's. You seem to be struggling with this one. Though. Yeah, Toronto I am. number one defense in the league in 2020. Well, it's 2021. It's true. So we've yet to see. Um, we just talked about how well they played. Now, this well, first road uh, game for LA. We haven't seen them yeah, on the road yet. That is true, but this is the thing. Now we all know sports. Uh, incredibly superstitious it's like it doesn't matter what you believe uh what faith you have is but if you don't wear the right socks then your team is going to lose and it's all going to be your fault isn't it so i'm thinking maybe if i predict that the arrows win they lose a game but if i predict their opposition wins the arrows win a game so do i do the noble thing and go for la on the understanding that by picking LA, it means that LA will lose. Just pick somebody. All right. You know what? I'm already in the doghouse. I'll pick LA. All right. You suck. All right. Derek, be nice. No, he picked LA. What a joke. All right. 
Don't tell wearing, me. He's wearing an arrows hat and he picked LA. Man, you know yeah. what? Ryan James really is his favorite player. <laughs> You'd also really just no, really like PTH not, that's, too. That's a, I don't think he's actually. I think he's disguising his like. Oh, if I pick, don't up, project your feelings onto I, Stu. Well, yeah, Listen, Inse- insecurity is a very don't, do, you know, don't go down this road. This road. You don't want to be that guy. You don't want to beat up your friends emotionally. We're moving on. Nola versus Austin. Derek, who do you got? Ooh. Um. This one's actually quite fascinating. I think who's uh Nola's at home, right? Yeah. And like after Toronto or something. Um yeah. I'm going Yeah, I'm gonna take Nola in this one. Okay. Yeah. I think I think Nola's Nola's looked good um so far. Um you just know, to give everyone a quick quick update, Derek is um eight, seven, and one. Stu is five, ten, and one, and I am seven, eight, and one. Give the, the the listeners a kind of an idea of where we stand currently in this season. All right, uh, Stu, okay. who are you picking? For the exact same reasons I'm I've chosen LA. I've got to pick Nola because home ground. They've had a bye week, and you know they've already shipped so many points against opposition. So does that mean you want Austin to win? I'm so confused by Stu's logic now. It's it's only when it's Toronto, only Toronto thing. I got you, Stu. Uh, I'm going with Thank Austin. You. I think they're going to be uh, fired up about this this Texas Cup win, and I think that they are one of the teams that are suited the most to beat Nola. I think that they're going to pull the win out. Um, okay, uh, rugby ATL versus New York. If rugby ATL plays like they did last week and uses that kicking game. Um, it'd be interesting to see how like Foden, Nawadi, um, Holland said all kind of react to it. Um, so I'm gonna go with rugby ATL. Okay, Stu, who are you picking? It's ATL at home, isn't it? It yes. is. I will also go with ATL then. And for anyone watching on YouTube, wondering where I am and what that noise was, that was my camera battery uh, announcing that it has died. So, you know what that is, Stu? That's like the universe being like, "Oh, this guy picked against Toronto. Goodbye." I think I think it's the universe saying this podcast recording has gone on for so long that you uh, need to change your battery. Anyway, Daniel, what are you picking? I'm picking rugby ATL as well. I think that. Uh... They're riding the snake juice, so they're 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 riding high. Okay, uh, Houston versus San Diego. Derek, two teams that lost last week. Who are you picking? In all honesty, if I have learned anything from watching Major League Rugby over the past year four, and what I have seen so far from this season, I am never gonna pick Houston ever again. Uh, so <laughs> San Diego, San Diego, it is. Okay. Because they're playing Houston. Not because I think San Diego's great, but it's because they're playing Houston. All right. Stu, who are you picking? Well, I think this will be completely undone if Houston decide to wear like the yellow kit or the yellow shorts. But I'm gonna have to agree with Derek. I'm going with the Legion. You know what? I think they're they're gonna want retribution. I mean I'll I'll pick Houston. I'll I'll throw them a bone. 
better be. I'm, I'm I'm comfortable with my lead against Stu right now, that I can take a wild card and go against you too. See, that's that's the problem with like your mentality though. You're just like I'm fine with losing to Derek. That's fine. That's got to change that up. Yeah, but like, let's be honest. The th- out of the three of us, like I probably know the least about rugby, so like any wins a win for me. Fair. I am the Ottawa Senators of our 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 group right now. <laughs> True. Nobody, nobody from Toronto likes you. It's fine. I'll live with that for the rest of my life. I'm uh, the okay. only one of us in Toronto. I like you, Dan. Thanks, Stu. I appreciate that, buddy. Uh, okay, final match: Utah versus Seattle. Who are you guys picking? So Seattle's got by, some shiny new toys now, guys. I don't know. I was, yeah, you know what? Yeah. By my logic, I that I used previously, I should be picking Seattle because they've had a bye week. They've, you know, the fastest try hat trick in Major League Rugby history, possibly even a world record of how quickly that was scored. But this is also Utah, who had a very good game against Toronto. Um, You know, great start to season as well and just missed out um, to New England by one point and you know they're back home again so i'm gonna go with utah Derek, who are you picking i'm going with seattle uh i'm gonna go with seattle because their jerseys look cool yeah and you know what i i think that they have something to prove i think they really do and i think that they're gonna take the time look at the tapes look at what they were doing wrong especially uh, in in both games, so, pardon me. They reloaded a little bit. Too. Yeah, Malcolm. I I cannot see him not getting the start. Oh no, you have to. How do you? You've got to start him. So yeah. you know, I think they've got a bona fide starting hooker again. Honestly, all these new guys that they signed, just be like, all of them, start yeah. them, throw them all. Just be like, let's see what let's see what sticks here. Like we gotta see. It can't get any worse than no wins, right? So you're only going uphill from zero, right? All right, guys. Well, you know what? We've covered sevens. We've covered rugby league. We've covered rugby Canada. We've covered MLR. We've had a lot to talk about. And all I can say is uh, we are very much looking forward to what this next weekend can bring for us.